I agree, Melissa did a great job. I, I agree with that. Welcome, King of Kings. Good to see everybody tonight. You're looking lovely as usual. We've got a nice full house tonight. Welcome everybody watching online as well, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, around the world. Normally we have about uh, 20 to 30 different countries joining us, so we welcome you from wherever you're watching from. Sometimes I let you know uh, where it is our guests are watching from, but I forgot my phone today, so I can't do that. So we love you, wherever you're from. We've got some wonderful special guests. I just want to say some good news things before we get started. You know, um, uh, Wilbur and Cheeky, good to see you. Bless you guys. Great to have you back as well. Uh, I know Daniela's mom is here, so Ima, good to see you. Bless you as well. Where's my team from Bayside? Bayside, there you are, guys. Good to see you guys tonight. Listen, just a few weeks ago, I was, I was in Sarasota at your main campus. Uh, got to have breakfast with Pastor Don and saw Randy for a few minutes and uh, uh, just blessed by how you guys partner with us. And we're going to be getting some other additional time together later in the week as well. So thank you for being here tonight as well. We've got great news. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Paul, they had a baby while I was gone. Uh, how'd that go? Excellent. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, in Tel Aviv congregation at Adonai the Ricardis had their baby while I was gone. And uh, next week, I think the Silvermans are due for their baby. Herzliya leadership has a baby on the way now. Shh, I can't tell you who it is. Shh. Can't tell you who it, who it is. Some of you got the hand gesture there. Praise the Lord. Good things. All good things. Happy to be with you. If you're new to King of Kings, can you raise your hand for me? If you're like, who is this weird dude? Who's this guy? Hi, I'm Pastor Chad. Good to meet you. I've been gone for a while. Let me just explain what that means. Um, we as pastors and elders at King of Kings, we want to example a kingdom life in front of you. We do our best, certainly not perfectly, but we do our best to example good marriages and, and good parenting and good stewardship and good disciplines in our life and uh, good servants' hearts and uh, loving, care and compassion and teaching and counseling. We do our best in uh, tithes and offerings and all of these things, but um, we also wanted to example for all of you what it means to take a rest in the Lord. And so after the biblical pattern of the sabbatical, the seven-year sabbatical, uh, our team had developed a protocol that every seven years our pastors take a short sabbatical. So that's where I was. I was exampling the kingdom of God in front of you. I know that sounds pretty self-serving, right? You're like, I was resting so that you would have a good example. But that is the biblical example, and I thank you. Listen, I think it shows an amazing sense of health for the congregation. That not only are we in unity as a leadership to do this, but that we as pastors are encouraged by the other leaders to take rest. And then some of us have full trust in the team that's here to do a great job while we're gone and to never think twice about it. That shows a healthy congregation. I want to say thank you to Pastor Mike and Melissa, who really held down the fort this time. Did an outstanding job. My trust level was so high. Someone asked me the other day, how'd you, how'd you think the services went? I said, I really have no idea. I didn't even connect. That's how unconnected I was. I trust you did a great job. Anyone have an amen? Amen. amen. 
So thank you, Pastor Mike, for doing that. Pastor Ray and Nikki, thank you guys for covering so much extra ground while we were gone from the prophetic words and counsel and prayer to worship. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Pastor Vako and Ula, they handle so many things you'll never know about from media to the office. Thank you guys for that. Of course, Pastor Wayne and Ann are traveling right now, but they, of course, uh, stepped out. Actually, they were very instrumental in a particular project while I was gone, and that was the selection we were all working together on the selection of the newest King of Kings congregation. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Not today. But after the Feast of the Lord, we're launching the newest King of Kings location, okay? And uh, we hope to introduce you to the leadership family that the Lord has given to us that we're planting in, um, in that city. So praise the Lord for that. So many good things. Uh, we rested Somebody said, what's a good sabbatical for you? And I said, if it's uneventful, nothing happened. No drama. That is a great sabbatical rest for me. Uh, got time with my wife and um, all of our kids, our siblings, uh, my siblings, our grandpa the grandparents and friends. Such a good time in the Lord. And you can see why God uh, wants us to be in that cycle. So praise the Lord for his goodness. And I want to say thank you to the deacons as well, all the Shamashim in the congregation from Tim and Martha to Chris and Liz and Vivian, Jonathan and Chrissy. You guys did such a good job. All of the coordinators, the media team, Tyro and Monique and camera people, switchers, such a great job. Prayer Tower with, uh, with Amira and, and everybody. Baruch running the soup kitchen. What a great job. The kingdom was moving forward by the grace of God. Now, we do everything together here at King of Kings, amen? We do it together. That means we worship together, we pray together. We share our giftings together for the edification of the body. We suffer together at times. We encourage one another when we need to. We give together. We live life together in small groups. You heard Melissa explain that. We're gonna be worshiping Wednesday night. Please join us. We need to do this together. Preparing for the holidays coming up. That's the theme of the night. Spiritual preparation Please do that together with us. We tithe together, we give, we rest together. Hopefully you have people over at Shabbat table together as well. But we also speak the word together. So tonight when I present the word of God, I, I'm expecting you to participate to some extent. When you hear something truthful, when you hear something that touches your spirit, it's okay to say amen to that. It's okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to say I agree, right? Yeah, and when you hear good news, you just say, hallelujah. The kids went back to school. Good, some of you got that. Hallelujah. We were a little bit delayed in school, but tonight, um, or this morning, was my youngest child. So we have four children. My oldest is 19, 13, 11, and four. And the four-year-old went to kindergarten today. It was her first day at school. So we're excited for what's happening. Grab your Bibles, grab your devices. Book of Hebrews is where we will be tonight. It is our main text. I'm gonna to present to you for the next six weeks a new series called The Source. The Source. Now, I'm gonna give some foundation tonight. We will eventually end up in the book of Hebrews chapter five, so put your finger there. But first, we wanna build some very basic building blocks Upon those, we'll get a little bit more in-depth with a little bit more complication, but we're going to try to keep it as simple as we can. Those of us that are believers in Yeshua know 
that Yeshua is not just the ruler of all creation, but he's the source of all creation. It's one thing to rule it, like somebody else made it, but you, you ruled it. It's another thing to be the source of where it came from. John chapter 1, verse 3. Through him, Yeshua, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that was made. That means it came out of him when he spoke. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, even the breath of humanity comes from the source that is God. He didn't reroute the breath. He didn't take it from somewhere else and say, you guys can have it. It came from him. He's the source of creation. He's the source of breath. Job chapter 12, verse 10. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Now, this is basic. If you're a believer, you've been with the Lord a while, you get where I'm going with that. That's pretty basic stuff. Yeshua is the source of all creation. He's the source of life, and he is the source of all breath of life. All of it comes from him. Now, in the beginning, when God created in his creation story, we know that he created things good. He created life good. He even pronounced his own creation to be good. So we know it that in, in its original state, all things were created good. And to make sure that we understand clearly that Yeshua is the creator who came in the form of the physical flesh, Luke quotes the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3. Speaking of Yeshua's death, he writes, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And here, the interchangeability of the words of author of life and the source of life you can see how they're interchanged here. In this particular passage, the author of life, the Greek word used is archegos. What does it mean? It means the captain, the author of the story, the prince in charge, the pioneer who started it, and the predecessor to whatever comes next. So that if creation came next, Yeshua was the predecessor. If life came next, he was the predecessor. If breath came next, he was first. He's the source. He's the author. It was Yeshua who had the pen writing the story of humanity. He's the author of life. Our sin killed him. And Peter is linking us all together that we killed the author of life with our sin. But God raised him from the dead. All things come from him. All good things. Now, we tainted this world that was created good by our sin, by our disobedience and rebellion. But if you had the imagery of a, of a river or a spring, at its original source, the river is pure, it's clean. The, the longer the river winds and goes downstream, the less pure that river can be. If any of you are into real estate, and especially in ancient times, you understand the history of real estate was to get as close to water as you could, right? That would be a healthy life for you would be near water. But it wasn't just near the river. It was as far upstream on the river as you could get because that was the purest water. By the time it's downstream, there's been so many people that put other stuff into the river, it's not as pure downstream as it was at the beginning, at the source. 
You can't blame God for bad things that happen in this world because the source created it good. We're the ones downstream that threw things into the river. And that's not him, his fault. That's, that's something we've done. And we identify with that, asking for his forgiveness. Now, let's look at this. You saw the pattern that Yeshua is the source of creation, life, and breath. But let's go through a series of other ideas until we get to Hebrews chapter 5. Genesis 1, 3, and 4. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So it was, it was Yeshua who said, let there be light. The light was good. I've taught you many times, King of Kings, that that is an important passage for us. Because in the same chapter in verse 15, it says on day number four, the sun was created. On day one, Yeshua said, let there be light, and there was light. But on day four, the sun was created, which means to us, Yeshua is the source of light. He's not just figuratively the light of the world. He is the reality of the light of the world. That's why the scripture begins with, and darkness covered the surface of the deep because his presence was not there at the moment. But as soon as his presence arrived, there was light. Because he doesn't depend on the sun for light. He's the light. Catch this. He only delegated it to the sun. How about that for a theological position? He allowed the sun, the planet creation gas ball, to have his attribute of light and gave it and said, I'm going to delegate this to you for a while. And one day, I'm going to take it back from you because I won't need you anymore. Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. In the new heaven, new earth, there will be no more night. There will be no need for the light or a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. He just delegated it. Same thing he's doing with us, giving us life. The Bible says our life is but a vapor. He's just delegating breath. Here, have mine. You can breathe for a little while. Soon you won't need that. You're gonna get a new body. You won't need what you have right now. I've got a whole other plan going over here for you. The source of creation, the source of breath, the source of life, the source of light. And you can see the pattern that's building in the scriptures. What I'm trying to help us understand is that when Yeshua establishes something, you never have to worry about that thing running out because he's not taking it from some other storehouse, warehouse, supply chain. Praise God. You know, supply chains don't always work right. That was pretty funny. But when it comes from within him, it never runs out. You say, well, God, you did a miracle for me 10 years ago. I'm not sure if you can do it now. Oh, yes, he can. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He doesn't run out. 
Check the loaves and the fishes story one more time. <clears throat> Let's see if he ran out. Actually, it went the other way, didn't it? They ended up with more at the end. So the next time you pray about a miracle you had in the past and you want to have it again, you need to be praying into the, the faith level of the loaves and the fishes that I will end up with more than I started with. I will end up with more health than I had in the beginning. I will end up with a better job now than I did in the beginning. I will end up with a better marriage now than I've ever had before because God is not a God of lack. He's a God of abundance because he's the source of it. He's not borrowing it from somewhere else. That's something you can put your faith and your trust in. He's the God of love, right? But he's not just the God of love. This was a great teaching by my friend David Harwood. He's not just a God of love like he's a rain cloud and he pours down a little bit of love and if you happen to walk under the rain cloud, then you get some of his love. God loves you, and I'm looking at each one of you individually. He loves you specifically by name. He knew you before you were born. He knew you, your soul before you were conceived. He had a plan for you, just like he did for the prophets before you were ever born. He loves you. God loves very specifically. Why? Because he borrowed love from someone else? No, he is love. It is him. It doesn't come from anywhere else. The love that we get to have together and the love that we get to share by serving one another is just delegated love. It came from him. It's his, not ours. And you'll pick up on this pattern. Not only is he the source of everything, but he's really good at delegating. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. You see, it doesn't say the God who has some love. The God who's pretty good at it is the God of it. Meaning, it did not exist. Catch this. Love as an entity didn't exist until the source of love brought it into being through himself. It's the same way light didn't exist until he brought it into being through himself. Now, God, we know he is love and he expresses his love in action. He shares it in word and in deed. But you have to often ask yourself, where did it come from? First John chapter four, verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. First key phrase of the night, love did not exist until Yeshua created it because love is a creation. It's him. It comes from him. He delegated, at, he delegated love as a creation. And it cannot exist without him. That's why the world doesn't know how to get it. The world doesn't even know how to describe real love anymore. Have you noticed? Right now, the world describes love as Instant self-gratification. If you will agree with what I think, you love me. Even if what I think is completely sinful, you have to agree, and then that's love. By today's definition, that's not the Bible's definition. 
Greater love has no one than to lay down a life for a friend. That's the Bible's definition. You want love, you lay down your life for someone else. What did Yeshua do? He laid down his life for us, showing us the greatest love there ever was. How can he do that? Because it came from him. It is him. There's not one word ever spoken, one action ever done that came from God Almighty that wasn't motivated out of love. Not one. You say, man, Chad, I, <clears throat> I read some of these stories, ancient Israel. They seem harsh. God was motivated out of love to fix a problem, to solve a problem, to cast a good future for his people forward, to protect his people from something evil. It was all motivated out of love. Whatever the outcome was, it was motivated out of love because he is love. And that's why this world can never fully understand and express and receive or give love appropriately because without the source of love, you don't have it. You don't get the delegated love until you're inside the one who is the source. You say, I just need, I just need more sexual partners and I'll feel love. No, you won't because that's not God's definition. Maybe I just need to jump the track and try something new. Something that's not very natural between man and woman. No. Because until you're connected to the source of love, you'll never know what it is. Now we know that Yeshua is not only the fulfillment of the good law, but he is the law. Now hopefully, you see how I'm laying these foundation bricks? They're getting a little heavier now, aren't they? The first couple were pretty easy. Oh, creation, we're with you. Breath of life, that's a good one. He's love. Okay, he went pretty deep on that one. He's the law. Whoa. Explain yourself. <clears throat> what I mean is this. The law of God, the Torah, the, the, the whole, uh, you know, the prophets and the writings, the Nevim, Ketuvim, all of them together are, are a collection of God's covenant heart where he exposes for you wisdom and knowledge. That's what it is. It's a covenant book exposing wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge you didn't have before you read it. Wisdom and knowledge, <clears throat> excuse me, you should have after you read it. That's why the law is good, because it's the wisdom of God. He's not just the fulfillment of the law, he is the law. Just like the festivals are coming up, right? We're getting excited about Yom Teruah next Sunday. Don't forget, guys. Hey, right here. Come back. Be with us. The Feast of Trumpets starts. Erev Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, starts next Sunday night right here. We're going to blow the trumpets live. It's going to be great. But the feasts and festivals, all, a lot of times you, you hear people say that he's the fulfillment. He's not only the fulfillment. He's the source of when he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, he's not just the Omega. We get a lot of good teaching about the Omega. What does it mean? What do the prophets mean? What is it pointing to? Eschatology. Tell us what's coming. And everybody wants to look at the end. What I'm doing is I'm turning our attention back to the beginning. He's the Alpha. He's the source of it all. 
And you say, well, why is that so much of a difference? The difference is in your faith level. Does he love you? Yes, he loves you. Why? Because he's the source of love. Not because of anything you've done. Can he heal you? Yes, he can, because he's the source of all power. And he graciously delegates some of these things to us. Now, the Bible is full of stories from Moses to Solomon to the disciples explaining how God put wisdom and knowledge into certain people from the law. How can God put wisdom and knowledge into someone or give them supernatural wisdom if he is not the source of wisdom, knowledge, and the law himself? This is one of the great arguments that we have with people who don't believe in intelligent design. They don't believe in a creator. And all you have to do is just ask them, are you educated? And they're going to say, yes, I'm educated. I'm studied. I'm a scientist. Okay, that's great. I believe you. You're way smarter than me. But of all knowledge that exists in the universe, how much do you think you have? You know, an arrogant person may hit you with 10%. I promise you, you do not have 10% of all knowledge. It's not a tithe of knowledge. You don't have it. You're lucky if you have 1% of all knowledge. And then you just need to tell them, is it possible that the creator exists in the other 99% that you have no knowledge about? Because he's the source of all wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Because he will delegate it to you, not because he got it from somewhere else. He's the source of wisdom. That's why you go to him to get it. And most often it's found in the scriptures, in the law itself. It's right there. Pretty plain. It's expounded upon. It's illuminated by the Holy Spirit in your life. But it's right there in the text. Now, I can continue on and on for days about the, the source. And this is what we're going to do in the series. But I could go on and give you some other words like Yeshua is not only the forgiver of sins. Hear me on this. He's the source of forgiveness. You have to go to him to get it. There's no other way to get it. He's the source of mercy, the source of grace, the source of redemption, the source of all power. And now you see the pattern, brick upon brick. And it brings us to our main text tonight, Hebrews chapter five. Let's look at verse eight. If we were a believer in Messiah Yeshua tonight, he's your Lord, he's your King, he's your Savior, you would say, well, I have eternal life because that's what happens. I give my heart to the Lord and he gives me eternal life. And we would agree with that. Eternal salvation. God gives it to you. But he's not only the provider. Catch this. He's not only the provider of eternal salvation, he's the source of eternal salvation. And you might say, well, that's such a small difference. If you understand geometry and you start with two lines that are slightly separated in their angle. Come on, camera people, get me on this one. Zoom into the hands. Not too close, I've been biting my fingernails. Don't get too close. The further you extrapolate these lines, 
the further apart they are. Basic geometry. I paid attention that day. It probably had something to do with a sport analogy and a ball and something about shooting or hitting or throwing, and I paid attention that day. But he's not just the provider of it. He's the source of eternal salvation. What that means for us is there is no other place to go and get this. Nor do we ever have to worry about it because it originates with him. And if you are in him, if you are in him, then eternal salvation is yours. We pick up the reading, Hebrews chapter five, verse eight through 10. Speaking of Yeshua, it says, the son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So what is the meaning of it? The meaning of it is that salvation itself, the construct and idea of saving something for all eternity, it originated with him and it can only exist inside of him. It does not exist anywhere else. He came up with it because it was in him. And he is giving it as a gift to us. Like all of the other things, he delegates. He's a great delegator. But never... Confuse that which has been delegated to you from the source from which it came. You have salvation because he's the source of salvation. You have power because he gave you power. You have light in your life because he gave you light in your life. You're breathing right now because he gave you that breath. The creation seems to understand this a little bit more than we do. That's why when Yeshua comes on the scene, have you ever noticed the creation can't help itself. When Yeshua, when, when the voice of God shows up on a mountain, what happens? Thunder, lightning, smoke, fire. What is that? I recently preached a sermon when I was traveling. I said, it's simply creation bowing to the creator. It recognizes the creator. How much do we recognize the creator? It recognizes, if, if Mount Sinai can recognize the source of its existence, how much more should we recognize the source of our existence and salvation? He's the source of eternal salvation. Now, in that passage from Hebrews 5, the word source used a different Greek word, aitheos. And it means the author of something or the cause of something, meaning it cannot happen unless the cause made it to happen. Right? And you've heard a lot of theologians and apologetic teachers. They like to refer to God as the uncaused cause. Nobody caused him. He caused everything else. And yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good description when it comes from the Greek. But since we learn in Hebrews here, Luke quoting Peter, back in Acts, connected to Hebrews, what we just read, that he is the source of eternal salvation. Why? How? So I just want to give you three points before we close about the how and the why. What lets him do that? How come he's able to do that? Why does it work that way? What am I doing? I'm trying to build your faith. 
I'm trying to really build your confidence because you can have a little bit of faith, but you still might lack some confidence. Confidence in the Lord. Why do I need more confidence right now in the Lord, Pastor Chad? I don't know if you've seen the direction that the world is going right now. You're gonna need it more now than you ever have needed it before. You're gonna need more wisdom, more knowledge, more light, more power. You're gonna need confidence in what the Lord is doing through you to have an effect on a darkening world. So three things, ready? The first. First, someone has to exist in a place or a dimension that others can safely be saved to. Right? You can't be the source of eternal salvation if you don't first exist in a place that you can save others out of something into something. You follow my analogy, right? Yeshua exists in another dimension and realm unpolluted by the sin of the world so that he can save you out of your polluted state and pulled into his sinless perfect state. So the first hurdle to be the source of eternal salvation is that you have to first exist in a place like that. And of course, God alone exists in that place. Secondly, one has to have the authority over the process of judgment, forgiveness, and sentencing. You have to have authority over that process. So the first step was you have to exist in a different place like he does. And the second is you have to have the authority to decide if someone gets to go from point A to point B. Yeshua alone has that authority. According to 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It's proclaiming that Yeshua fulfills the second hurdle, which is he doesn't just exist in a holy place to pull us into, but he has the authority to make the determination whether or not we get to go from point A to point B. Why? Because all judgment will be at his feet. He is the deciding factor. He's the one that carries the authority for eternal salvation. And third point. One must have access or control of the method for which the accused are transferred out of darkness and into eternal life. So it's not enough to just have existence in a different place that you draw them into. It's not enough to just have the authority to determine the judgment whether you do get to go from a sinful place to a perfected place. But you have to have the third. You have to be in charge of the method. You have to be in charge of the process. How do they get from point A to point B? Not are they allowed to, how do they do it? And Yeshua fulfills all three of these. Listen to this verse. This is our last verse tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yeshua fulfills all three definitional boundaries of someone who is the source of eternal salvation. He exists in a dimension that he can pull you out of something into something. He has the authority to determine whether you get to move. And he's in charge of the process and the method by which you do the moving. 
meaning you were dead in your sin. And while you were still a sinner, the Messiah came, he died for us. He put his innocent blood over us so that when we stand before the judgment seat, he's in charge of the process. And he says to the Father through intercession, my blood is on him or her. That is the process. I give them authority to move from point A to point B because now they are in a dimension that I exist in. And that's why we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 22. No more will there be night. No more will there be the need for the light of the lamp or the light of the sun because Yeshua is there. The source of all things good. Not just a giver of all things good. Please get the difference tonight. It'll build your faith. It'll build your confidence in, in your prayer life. Because you're going to God, not just to say, can you give me some? God, can I tap into you, the source of it? Because the source is limitless from what it can give. Actually, as we pointed out, it'll actually leave you with more than you had in the beginning. You wanna leave this earth with more wisdom, more knowledge, more faith, more testimony. You want to leave this world with more intimacy of the Lord, more purity, righteousness, holiness, vision for your life. And just remember, before he spoke things into being, nothing existed until it existed in him first. And from there, he can delegate. He can delegate the creation. He can delegate light and breath and life. He can delegate power and wisdom and knowledge. He can even delegate eternal salvation. And my last thought is this. It was, came from a personal devotion this week with my family. We were talking about the book of Revelation points out, uh, connected with the gospel story, where Yeshua is raised from the dead, and he visits the disciples, remember when he walks through the wall? I'd like to get that one delegated. That'd be nice. And he says to Thomas, remember, this is the risen Lord. After his encounter with Miriam. Remember Miriam? Sir, just tell me where you've laid the body. Oh, it's you, Yeshua. I recognize you. And Yeshua says, don't touch me yet. I haven't been glorified to its fullest extent in the presence of my Father. Don't touch me yet. Well, a few weeks later, apparently the process of glorification has already happened. He goes through the wall. He comes to Thomas and he says, touch my hands, my feet, my side. So he's risen from the dead, the healer of all things. He's been moved into the glorified state and he still has the scars. That seems unusual. That seems kind of strange that the one who carries all the healing power didn't heal himself. Raised himself from the dead, but didn't heal himself. That means it's a choice. Revelation, the book of Revelation says, when John is in the throne room, he says, I see the Lamb of God, the one who looks as if he had been slain. John is seeing into the future, and Yeshua still carries the scars. You wonder why? because he is the source of eternal salvation and he never wants you to forget it. 
For the rest of your existence, whether this body or the next, whether this age or the age to come, you will always look upon Yeshua and remember that he's the source of your eternal salvation because his scars will forever be there by choice. That's how much he loves you. Now, moving forward into the feasts and the festivals, next week, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets and the fulfillment, all the foreshadowing of the feasts, we're going to be learning more about Yeshua being the source of things. Next week as a preview, Yeshua is the source of hope. You can't have it without him. And the world doesn't understand that. Our life is not lived in vain, but it's lived with purpose. That our future has also been laid out by the Messiah. Please come next week. Join us in the commanded blowing of the trumpets. Let me pray. I'm going to invite the prayer team, those of you that we talk, uh, talked with earlier, just come and present yourself for prayer at the front. Father, thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you for your law, your prophets, your writings, the new covenant. Thank you for the testimonies, the healings, the power, the miracles. We thank you tonight that you're the source of eternal salvation and outside of you, that doesn't even exist. I pray that there, if there's anyone in the house tonight or online who has never connected to you as the source of salvation, they've tried a, a number of other ways but couldn't connect, but tonight they would understand something new, that not only can you forgive their sin and heal them and give them a great future, but you can also wash their conscience of any guilt. You offer that as a gift tonight. We receive it. Thank you for the holidays coming up. Let us be prepared in heart and in spirit, Lord God. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Let's go back into worship for a moment. Our prayer team is coming down, and Pastor Mike will close us in just a few minutes.